are listening to Spitball with Adri Paul Hope Mellows and Marcus Innuendo Bingo Henson. Hello and welcome to episode 47 of Spitball. I'm your host, Adri Ballhawk Mallows. Joining me this week is my regular partner in crime, Marcus Innuendo Bingo Hanson. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. Very good. Good, good. Still loving the intros? Uh, I'm loving the intros. Getting better by the week. Excellent, that's what we like to hear. How have you been since our last episode, sir? Uh, very well, very good. Starting to get running into it, uh, officially signing myself up for year two of uni on Friday, and then we are back. Yeah, and of course it was a big week for us in fantasy football land, and you managed to get the better of me this week, didn't you, sir? Yes, trouncing Paul Hawks B team. Pretty much every single running back I had managed to injure themselves in some respect, so no idea how I've done it. Well, yeah, fair play to you, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to get you in the rematch. Now let's move on with the show. You are listening to Spitball. Let's take a look back now at some of the key games and talking points from this week. Marcus, do we need to say anything first about the Ray Rice and Adrian Peterson scandals? Uh, No, I mean... They're, they're big things, of course, but I think we might be coming on to them later in the show. OK, fair enough. Enough said then. So let's recap on some of the big games from this past week. And our first stop is going to be the Thursday night game between Baltimore and Pittsburgh. What happened here, Marcus? Yeah, it was, it was weird because, of course, we looked coming into this we all sort of assumed that it'll be Pittsburgh's advantage really but after the coming in hot I guess really I mean they, they came back to win against Cleveland but Baltimore didn't look overly strong uh, after week one and you did think it could be two back-to-back divisional losses yeah absolutely we said that in last week's show didn't we that we thought that Pittsburgh were rolling the momentum Baltimore we weren't sure whether the whole scandal with with Ray Rice would be a distraction for them or not. But I think it certainly shows the quality of Coach Harbour to get his team prepared and to turn out a performance like that from his players. Yeah, I mean, it's it's never going to be easy. There's always going to be something going on with the likes of those off-field issues. Um, you can't say that they don't negatively add something to the atmosphere in the locker room. However, it's, it's again, it's how you can perceive yourself. You've got a job to do at the end of the day and, and what matters is what happens on the field. And so great to manage to sort of separate themselves from that and ultimately look at this game as a must-win game. Therefore, it's a divisional matchup. You want to hit the playoffs, you've got to win your division. So it takes a lot to come in and just completely go for it. And I think that's that's really the way they did. I mean, there's a few few penalties helped them along the way. I mean, I don't know if it's the sort of overprotective. We, we've gone over this load last year. Great that they are picking up on protecting players, but it just seemed there was a few very dubious calls with the aggressive hits. But that I mean, maybe that didn't put anything on the game. Who knows? But um, it was it was definitely it was it was what it needed to be. It was a tough and gritty AFC North game. And I have to say, I think Steve Smith fits perfectly into the Baltimore system and into the AFC North, uh, the grudge matches where you need a player like that who will always be fiery, always try and wind up the opposition and put out an, an unbelievable performance. Yeah, I mean, wow, have they landed themselves a right asset picking him up from Carolina. And uh, yeah, old man, uh, he's got the old senior there on the back of his shirt and uh, he ain't playing like... Uh, a senior there, he's, he's he's just playing there like completing out a veteran. Yeah, six receptions for 71 yards this week, and I think it's more about the overall attitude he gives to that receiving core and a receiving core that we thought would miss a beat losing Bolden, but picking up Steve Smith will, will fill that void. Yes, definitely. So is there anything else we want to go through from the Pittsburgh-Baltimore game? Because in itself, it was, as we say, a typical AFC North grudge match, uh, penalties galore, big tackles, um, and really just kind of a, a gritty match in general. No, I mean, I mean, the only other thing I'd say is that the, the running game for Baltimore changed the momentum because we saw Le'Veon Bell absolutely cruise it in week one. So clearly, Baltimore knew that that's where they had to get the linchpin there. And he still had, he still 
managed, even though they were sort of beating up him, still managed to get some great runs and, and a few of those little catches in the flat and making them for big plays. But the likes of Forsett and Pierce combining really well for Baltimore to give them the edge in that run game. Okay, so let's come bouncing forward then to the Monday night game between Philadelphia and the Indianapolis Colts and another comeback win for Philadelphia. Again, what are they putting in that water at halftime or the Gatorade? <laughs> I don't know. Coach Kelly's making some great adjustments at halftime. Shame that he has to make so many adjustments, but you know, when you're suffering you know, down two scores at, at, at halftime, it's asking a lot to then suddenly turn that around, the momentum, and really... You can't really blame too much the sort of game plan because they had the game plan right for Indianapolis and they seem to be like working off the ball as they wanted it to. The uh, the pressure around Foles seemed to contain him and McCoy didn't have that big a game really. So I, I don't know if it's McCoy's become such a big target now, but it's this screen effective short pass running back game with Sproles and it's just it works great on these these overbearing defenses that just want to try and get to the quarterback as quick as they can, the quick dump-off passes. And then, again, Philly defense looked absolutely flabbergasted in the first half, like they did against Jacksonville. And then suddenly it took them, I don't know, massive uh, cup of coffee at halftime, wake them up or something. Come on, guys, let's get in this game. And they just they suddenly exploded into the game second half. It seems strange that they're almost having to game plan after they've already started the match against the opposition. So rather than what normally goes on during the week, they obviously put together a plan. And, and for whatever reason, their first two plans haven't really been up to scratch, have they? So they, like you say, they've had to make adjustments on the fly. And whilst that is great coaching in itself, you do wonder what's going into the pre-game planning to put them in these positions in the first place. I'm not sure someone's got everything uh, ticked up there, but... Um... Yeah, I mean, adjustment-wise, you're sitting there going, that, that has to go down to coaching and being able to understand your players. I think Coach Kelly's really come in there and he's really got hold of that Philadelphia team and he's uh, he's really sourced out what is making it tick. So therefore, when he is put in these positions, he can then turn it around and, you know, right, he needs to go there and we need to bring more of this game in. And, and, and clearly, we know that Philadelphia have a team watching last year that can put points on quickly. So, you know, they can score they can come from behind but I don't think they really want to be doing this week in week out especially especially as the likes of sort of the Jacksonfields Indianapolis they're going to be a strong competitive team so this is in my opinion a much bigger win than last week yeah and I just want to come back what we're talking about offense there I want to come back to Darren Sproles I think he's a player that that quite often gets overlooked and obviously the Saints found him surplus to requirements uh, but he's a player who despite you'd say getting on in years still keeps churning out the big plays and when you watch him run with the ball I mean I don't know there are that many guys in the league that are as quick as him particularly on like you say those screen passes he just seems to have a turn of pace that just burns all defences agility and vision he's got both and buckets full of them what he can do is he can just assess what he's got in front of him up the field and if he doesn't like what it is he's got the agility to then turn himself so quick of pace and you know in so few fewer paces that he doesn't lose contain of where he's got to go there's some great exterior blocking as well from the wide receiver the wide receiving core is is a great bunch uh, of, of blockers and that, I guess that goes kind of through the the whole Chip Kelly old option from his days in college where, you know, if you're going to run sort of option outside, you need very good, strong wide receiver, tight end blocking down the field. Um, and that really sort of pays off. And just finally then on, on this game, what do we think is happening at the Colts? Do we need to panic that they're 0-2 or do we still think they're going to come away winning the AFC South because of the, the teams they've got that they play against? For me, it's, it's it's the questions that really need to be there. I'm liking Houston at the moment. So I think Houston have taken that scare last year and they managed to sort of shuffle things around, you know, such an atrocious year and they've managed to look to rebuild. So therefore, if they really do want to win, they've got to start making changes. They've got to start making changes now. They've got a nice, easy game coming up this week, um, which we'll probably go on to about later. But they're taking on... Jacksonville so if ever's a week to sort of like try and you know crush an opponent get the confidence back in the camp work out a few of the kinks you've probably got that in in you right now for the upcoming week so it's not time to panic now 
if you find yourself losing to Jacksonville, you might want to step up to DEFCON 5. Just saying. Yeah, uh, I completely agree with that. I think they're the one team in the league that they definitely don't want to be losing at the moment, especially as it is a division game as well. But the next game I want to come on to is the Sunday night game between... So it's coming back in time a little bit, so I do apologise for, for skipping around a bit to everyone out there. Um, Chicago versus San Francisco. Marcus, big, big, big game, big result for Chicago. Big bounce-back win for them after the result against Buffalo. Do you like how I fitted that one in there um, last week? So what did you take from this game? What I took from this was field position was the big key here. You look at Chicago, Chicago managed to come away with a lot of scores, starting predominantly either in San Francisco territory or very close to around the 50. So therefore, it seems to be that the yardage is just off the chart when you see the difference in yardage. We've got Cutler here thrown for less than 200 yards, but four touchdowns. I know, when I saw the, the amount of yards per touchdowns, I just thought it was absolutely unbelievable. I mean, this is all, all, all done from mainly mental errors, I have to say, on the 49ers part. You know, there was definite missed assignments in the blocking. There was some really dodgy sort of throws put in um, by Kaepernick. He didn't have a very strong night, in my opinion. But it, it definitely has to say that the Bears' defense looked amazing. It looked like the defense we, we, we were talking about. Uh, and as while we're on the defense, we have to say that how big I think the injury to Tillman is going to be. Um, well, yeah, I was going to come on to that, actually, because when Charles Tillman went out, Carl Fuller came in and Carl Fuller had, well, great time on the field, didn't he, with his two interceptions? Yes. Now, that's what I really liked because you could all, you instantly saw how they shifted their game. Uh, Charles Tillman, when you saw him actually do his, I think they, he's retorn the tricep, I think it's what they're saying. Yeah, it looks that way, doesn't it? Just he from the way it pushed someone off and then um, pulled up on his arm, didn't he? So. Yeah, I mean, it was completely off the off the play of the ball. He was just trying to make a bit, bit of a block and then just that, that push against the other player and then bang, it just immediately he's grabbing the arm. You instantly saw how the San Francisco game plan changed in that respect. They thought they saw a shed of light as Tillman came out and the rookie came in. And I'm really glad to see how he managed to step up into the limelight. And actually, like you said, it wasn't just the sort of the, the two interceptions, but also as they kept attacking him, you're definitely seeing how game plans change for the defense. You're suddenly having to account for the fact that they will see that as a weak link and attack it. Therefore, Crabtree was definitely attacking that side of the field but I was saying mental areas the problem was earlier the drop that could have taken it into overtime as well yeah it was a, it was a difficult catch to be fair in the end zone he, at least he did he did make an effort on it and as they always say don't they if you get your hands on it as a receiver you should catch it but at the same time I think going to the ground and bouncing around in his hands like that I think it was still a difficult catch to try and make yeah it was definitely difficult I think a lot of the time in my opinion, the, the running game wasn't used as much um, for San Francisco as well. I think there was a lack of run game. And you, you're sitting there wondering what could they have done. But like I said, field position was the biggest thing. Giving Chicago such short fields to play with, it just puts so much difficulty on your defense to then always step up to the mark. Yeah, and a lot of that, as we said earlier, was down to the, the defense. I just wanted to uh, mention on the defensive side, Chris Conte's interception, the diving interception, and granted you can overanalyze it and you can say that Kaepernick was staring down his receiver and that as a good safety he knew all along where that ball was going, but it was still an incredibly athletic diving interception to make the play. Yes, and I think Conte is one of these underrated safeties because he doesn't really have the, the, I'd say, the overall coverage skills um, that you see from, from some bigger names, but I think that he's definitely got the sort of awareness skills there whether or not, um, like you said, he was staring down his receiver, you've got to understand what position can I put myself in to make a play. There's, a, there's an awareness as a player to be able to, to put yourself in the right place at the right time. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think also just to mention that the interception there from Chris Conte is one of the highlights that has made our Marcus and the Mind Blowers segment in our show notes. So be sure to check that out. And just going to come back to the Chicago offense and Cutler and Marshall. Just want to finish off talking about these two. I know it's a bit of a sort of topsy turvy way to talk about things, but Cutler and Marshall, obviously, they were together at Denver all those years ago. They're showing in Chicago that that partnership and connection is still there. 
and some of the catches that Brandon Marshall made, in particularly his first catch, the one-handed catch diving backwards. Um, that's that's a big time player making a catch like that in the end zone, which uh, again is also in our Marcus and the Mind Blowers segment in the show notes. Marcus, what did you think of that catch? I mean, how good was that catch? That's a catch you get between a quarterback and a wide receiver who are so in sync. Your B receivers, your second stringers, aren't making that sort of catch because he's got the presence in mind to understand how he's going to turn his body and then reach out for it. The ball should be about here, right? Even if I just put out one hand, it's going to be, ah, there it is, got it, and then go down to the ground. Athleticism and that just that syncopation just tick both of those boxes because that was just um, A+. plus. That's it. And on the night, they came away with uh, three touchdowns between them. So three touchdowns for Brandon Marshall. And even though he was supposed to be injured, I just think it just goes to show you, A, what a number one receiver is all about, and two, what a big-time player is all about. Absolutely. And happy fans uh, who had him in their fantasy team. Yeah, absolutely. And neither of us were one of those, I, th- I believe. We'll move on now to the Atlanta versus Cincinnati game, or the Battle of the Hard Knocks teams, as I referred to it last week. Atlanta looked a shadow of the team that beat New Orleans last week. I know they had two offensive tackles, or starting offensive tackles out, including their draft pick in Jake Matthews. So do we think that was the main reason why Atlanta struggled on offense this week? Well, yes and no, really. Um, Cincinnati has a great defense, great attacking defense. The front seven are strong. Poor Perfect. Again, I think he went out early in this game. He actually made it to the start, though, did he, after his uh, concussion last week? Yeah, got cleared for that, and I believe he still <laughs> he went out again um, about second quarter this week. Not not quite the, uh, the same. I can't remember exactly what it is. Just um, really annoying me at the moment. One of my linebackers just... Not doing anything for me, but digressing. Uh, it, it's an attacking. It is an attacking defense in now, and it is built on that sort of front seven, getting pressure, actually just forcing the errors. But like you said, the tackles really shifted around. It looked a little bit weak in the offensive line. Not only this is because you you saw it from like the perspective of the, like the run games. Um, the run games, I think, really helped Cincinnati to open up and get Dalton into the sort of the progressive. You're looking at like uh, Giovanni Bernard and um, close to 100 yards and a touchdown. You have Hill, who's predominantly that sort of that short yardage back. who's still getting it. He got a good sort of like uh, 70 or 80 yards and a touchdown. But it allowed then for, for Ryan to really sort of work the field and sort of progress the thing. And of course, we know that he lost Green. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he lost AJ Green to a... Uh, a turf toe and it's um it's a difficult injury to describe that one isn't it so i'll let you go ahead marcus i have no idea what this turf toe is uh, i use hyphens you can't see them but um yeah i've never really understand what a turf toe was for me i mean it's uh it's just been so ambiguous yeah it's true i mean i know that uh mr ray lewis had issues with it well a few years ago didn't he, he was struggling with it for a couple of years and i think he ended up breaking his toe and then after he broke his toe uh, it cleared everything up which is really I guess I guess that's what needed to be to happen but yeah it's just really strange um maybe there's a maybe there's a physio listening into this show right now who could enlighten us maybe there is maybe there is definitely someone needs to get in touch with us and inform us as to what the turf toe injury is so if you want to get in touch with us remember hey guys if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com or, of course, you can leave a comment at the bottom of the page. So we'll look at the rest of the game, though. As we say, coming back to the fact that AJ Green went out early, but because of that Cincinnati defence, they didn't, and, and obviously Giovanni Bernard, they didn't really seem to miss him as much as they may have done had they been involved in a shootout. When you looked at the two sides, you had Ryan who'd come off that massive week the week before. And he's got Jones and White and Douglas and some great receiving core. And then basically, you know, Ryan's pretty much put to bed. You know, he had two sacks, three interceptions. Looked uncomfortable for most of the game. It allowed then, of course, Cincinnati to just pretty much get free with the playbook. We saw Mohamed Sanu at one point have a good lob for about 50 yards. <laughs> down the field that's that's a sort of coach's delight when they know that they can control the opposing offense to allow then the defense their their defense to allow then your your playbook just to open up and then you can just slowly control this game 
And, I mean, it wasn't a blowout as 24-10. However, you know, I'd say this was com- more comfortable than, say, the scoreline suggests. We're running a bit short of time now, so what I'm going to do is move us quickly on to the last game I want to talk about this week. Um, bear in mind, if you want to see all of the scores from this week's action, then be sure to head over to our Lowdown blog, where you'll get a slightly different take on the week's action and also a recap of all of the week's scores. So, Jacksonville versus Washington. Big talking points from this one, I think, has to be the Robert Griffin the third ankle injury, the dislocated ankle that saw him go out of the game and Kirk Cousins come in. Played very well. Um, also must mention that Deshaun Jackson also got injured, but yet somehow they managed to get 41 points. Marcus, how did they do that? Well, it was mainly on that defence. Um, defence win championships. And when you put 10 sacks on a team, that, that will pretty much shut that down for them. Yeah, it's a crazy amount of sacks, isn't it? Double-digit sacks is a, an incredible amount to get any week of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, can't, I think they said tied, tied the record. Yeah, I think they did tie the record with the, the 10 sacks. It's just crazy. I know Jacksonville are struggling at the moment, but I didn't have them down as being that bad a team. And kudos to um, Kerrigan for getting four of those. I think he also tied a record for the the, the tied the record for the most individual sacks in the game at four. We, we've said this before, how we feel that Cousins is, is going to be better in that sort of Gruden pocket passer. And so hence why he came in and he sort of managed to run it. They lost Jackson as well. So like you said, there's, there was lots, lots of injuries. Very, very injury prone game. But Jacksonville, it was the fact that you look at the run game. And, and there's no indication of a real run game. I mean, you've got Gerhardt, I think, pretty much did about eight attempts at a run. And we're talking maybe 20 yards. There's absolutely no indication to me that they tried to maybe really progress more people into running the ball, open it up. I know there was a few key drops. I believe Hearns had a had a big drop and stuff. But after I watched the after, uh, after the game interview, well, they just said, you know, head coach for Jacksonville, um, name alludes to me at the moment, but Gus he was saying, Bradley. you know, thank you. He was saying that it wasn't the fact that they allowed themselves not to do any of the good things correctly. He said they, they struggled to do anything correctly. And he said they let them down on all three phases of the game the offense, the defense, and special teams. All three phases of the game let them down. All three phases, he said, we, we, we are better than that. We play better than that. Um, and he was. Just disappointed, and I think, yeah, there was absolutely no showing really from any of it. I mean, forty-one nil defense clearly didn't turn up, offense didn't clearly turn up, and you can only guess the special teams didn't turn up to help change the the field possession. It's just you're sitting there wondering, really, are we going to have a repeat of last year again? I mean, are Jacksonville fans going to be subjected to it? Yeah, and more to the point, if they're struggling at this early stage against the likes of Washington and Philadelphia, are they potentially going to be in for a winless season like Detroit were a few years ago? Or do we think they may get one or two wins? I'm not sure. Shall we throw this up to the public? We can do, but I might also try and push you to give an answer as well rather than playing my game and sitting on the fence. Ah, I think I haven't actually seen their schedule. However, I'd have to say... Well, it'll be NFC East bearing in mind the teams they've played so far and um, mm. so they've got uh, from the east they've still got new york and dallas to play yeah and um, they've obviously got the two games against houston and indianapolis and tennessee to play and i'm not sure the other division to be fair that they're going to have to play but even based on on those alone when you look at the only team you may see them getting any sort of victory against is tennessee but even then, Tennessee are playing well enough at the moment not to lose to Jacksonville, I think. Uh, or the Giants. Yeah, or, or even the... Oh, well, they may be the Giants, you mean. Yeah, I, I, looking at that, I'd say I think they might... Considering you've played Tennessee twice, there's a possibility for at least two wins there with at least one of the Tennessees and the Giants. Okay, so potentially 2-14 and 14 as opposed to 0-16, yeah? Yeah, I, I, I say they don't go winless even if it's just one victory this year they won't go winless and here's another one for you even though I know I said we were short of time but it's a question I I feel I've got to ask because it's just come into my head would that be the end for Gus Bradley if they have that poor a season again this year yes fair enough one word answer that that works well when we're running short of time so 
Is there any other business or games that you would like to talk about as our week two review draws to a close? No, no, I think we've covered some of the big games, the ones that really sort of stood out. So don't forget to check the show notes for Marcus and the Mind Blowers, the two plays we've mentioned in our review there, and there'll be some other plays in there which will come up later in the show. Who are you? I don't even know your name. What's your name? Turn around. Let me see your name. Turn around. Let me see your name. Turn around. I don't know you, bro. You're having one of those days. Hey, baby. You're having one of those days. I say that to say this. And you want to deal what you want to deal. Then we wouldn't have been where we was at to get what we got. That just don't make no sense, dog. Marcus, put your shoe on. Put it on. Jeez. I can't face with these clothes. I'm a teeth. They got to my tooth. Wish I had some gold so you can bite me some teeth. So, Marcus, what's been grinding your gears this week, buddy? You know what really grinds my gears? It's all the off-the-field rubbish i would use stronger language but i fear that producer mark will have to bleep out a huge section of the show um i'm i'm six definite i'm absolutely six definite this is the national football league this is the um the jewel of the crown we are talking about the creme de la creme why is it that this year we are seeing more and more off the field instances and severe off the field instances instances this year i've never seen such severity in some of the the stuff that's going on okay the substance abuse stuff and the drunken disorderly and the stuff that you know basically players getting stupid absolutely ridiculous in the off off season however i mean i'm just sick to death it 31 suspensions were recorded at this time plus now adrian peterson's um indictment um i'm not gonna get too much into it because to, to be frank this is supposed to be a, this this podcast is supposed to be about the good of the NFL. And so frankly, this negativity um, and this stuff that detracts from it. However, I know, look, these guys then, we're not asking them to be angels. All right. They, they don't have to be saints, but at the same time, you're a national, national pinnacle towards role models for youngsters. You are what is supposed to be the inspirement of, uh, of generations. And you're, you're sitting there going all the stupid stuff. Now we shouldn't be just, brushing it under the carpet and hoping it goes away. You know, we should really start to be looking at what is going wrong. Why is there such, such a breach of, of, of this like protocol that's just eclipsed itself this year. And frankly, you know, that's that stuff to discuss possibly in our own free times. The league is looking to bring in outside uh, reinforcements, organizations to try and help, see if there's a way where they can stem the tide. But right now, it's grinding my gears, and I'm sick to death of it. And the fact that in this day and age, the NFL, we are getting more headlines, all the bad stuff off the pitch, than the great game on the pitch. And that is what's grinding my gears. And you make an excellent point, as always. And and on that front, I don't know whether you've had a chance to see the, the link I sent you, with the interview with Coach Carroll and Coach Courtney. And they're talking a lot about how there's perhaps not enough done behind the scenes and within the organisations to not only prepare these gentlemen for for the games, but for the, the younger players, uh, teaching them how to conduct themselves off the field and also the preparation for the slightly older players, the veterans, as to what they can do and, and how they can go about their lives after football and what there is after football and just trying to be life coaches, I guess, as well as coaches on the field. I haven't seen that interview, but um, yeah, it's, there's, there's, there's a few things that we know that, you know, there is that rookie symposium and that does tend to have a, a we, you know, that's uh, recorded and this guest speakers come in and they talk about these important issues. However, you know, we all know the off-season, I mean, we as fans feel it. The off-season is long, okay? So it's far too long to allow people to get up to some stupid, urgh, stupid stuff. And that's where it boils down to the organisations, doesn't it? Because ultimately, these players are your investment and you spend all that money in paying their contracts 
So it's not just necessarily a moral obligation to look out for your players. You also have the financial factor that if you're not keeping an eye on your multi-million dollar running back and, and what he's doing in his social life, then it's going to have an impact on the um, financial side of your business. Absolutely. Uh, if you're going to have a, a morally strong organisation, you know, you're going to look after and produce morally strong players and personnel. And I think, you know, is it has the culture around the NFL seeped to the fact that people aren't really taking enough time? Is there, you know, enough being put into the, the one-on-one player relationship? I don't know. Not part of the NFL, unfortunately, at the moment. So um, That's, That sounds like think, a watch this space comment, not a part of the NFL at the moment. Is there something you're trying to hide from me there, buddy? <laughs> would love to be part of the NFL right now. Uh, but no, it's, it's definitely, as if we become more aware of, you know, what is needed from a professional athlete, there's probably lots of pressures we understand. There's probably lots of vices put in front of them. At the same time, are we actually doing enough? So, like you said, a lot of these guys coming into the NFL are very young men. You know, we're talking 21, 22, you know, just finished university. I'm guessing college isn't quite as stringent, possibly, you know. Um, I'm at university. I know stuff goes on. However, you just, you you got to wonder. You've got to wonder, is there no one actually out there just trying to keep the straight and narrow I sort think of keeping there is that a, moral compass problem. There is a few organisations, uh, I think, but unfortunately, I think as a general rule around the league, more definitely needs to be done about it. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut that there because otherwise I think it's something we could talk about for forever and ever and ever. So that is what has been grinding Marcus's gears. I think, I think coaches win players and I think managers win their employees. So... I think I think players win games and coaches win players and I've never seen a coach score a touchdown and I've never I've never seen a coach make a tackle um, and therefore if you think as a coach that you can scheme yourself to success and scheme your kids to success you're so wrong. Now we move on to our weekly awards. And that is our offensive impact player, known as our award and our defensive impact player, otherwise known as our Mr. Award. And so this week, shall we start with Megatron Marcus? And would you like to go first or second? So I'll give you the choice this week. Um, I will let you go first this week because last week I managed to mess up your picks by getting them in the wrong order. (laughs) Fair enough. Well, that's jolly nice of you, Sarah, and I do appreciate that. So my runner-up this week for the award is going to be Darren Sproles. Again, I mentioned earlier that I don't think this guy gets enough credit around the league. Um, A hell of a running back. Been passed on now to Philadelphia and Chip Kelly is definitely making the most out of this guy. Seven receptions and 152 yards, which goes back to we were talk- what we were talking about, getting him involved in the screen game and the short dump of passes. And carries, he only had four carries for 26 yards and a touchdown. But you can see there from what was 11 plays, he had a total of 178 yards from scrimmage. So just an explosive player that really does need to get the credit he deserves. Absolutely. Right, so my uh, my runner-up this week, uh, one to make Adri very happy, is going to go to CJ Spiller, running back, Buffalo Bills. Yeah, woohoo! Get the Buffalo Bills in on the awards. We do like that. You know me too well. Uh, 12, 12 carries for 69 yards, but importantly, a 102-yard kickoff return, which really seems to just blow open and just give that momentum to, to Buffalo. It just seems, I don't know, it just ignited your team. Well, it's the classic, isn't it? You concede points and then the next play you score six points of your own. It's just absolutely fantastic. And that crowd, I, I can listen to that return forever and ever. Just listening to the, the noise inside the Ralph Wilson Stadium as as he starts peeling away down that sideline. And then when they realise he's going to go all the way for the score, it's just absolutely amazing and I just I wish I was there every week I really do because Buffalo Bills fans not necessarily myself because I'm not one of the best Bills fans but the Bills fans that go to that stadium week in and week out are the best fans in the league without a shadow of a doubt so we will uh, come on then to my 
Award winner, and I have gone with Brandon Marshall. Now, again, it's not necessarily because of the numbers yardage-wise, but when you look at everything he brings to that Bears offense and the fact that he is Jay Cutler's go-to guy, of his five receptions for only 48 yards, three of them were touchdowns. He got a cheeky little hat-trick, and they were all important because they helped them pull that victory away from San Francisco. Yeah, completely agree with that. Um, I think, yeah, he is definitely well-deserved of that. So my one... For my uh, for my winner this week, my Mr. Megatron is going to go to Aaron Rodgers, quarterback, Green Bay Packers. Because he bailed you out in fantasy football. <laughs> <laughs> a, A, yes, B, how about your first play from scrimmage is a, a fumble, which you lose, and the fact that you were down 21-3 at the end of the first quarter, you are called on as quarterback to be lots of things. You know, you've got to rally the troops sometimes. You have to be that person. And how, how better to rally it than come back and put in an awesome game? 346 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And, you know, using his feet as well, he had 28 yards on, on uh, rushing, you know, mainly when he's pressured and trying to extend plays, create something out of nothing. Um, I mean, he was sacked. I and mean, there's still problems on that offensive line. He was sacked four times. But he still came out and he still managed to produce some absolute class moments. And um, for me, without Rodgers in, in under centre, you know, Green Bay don't come back against that good New York Jets defence from 21-3 down. And that's why he's my Mr. Megatron. And you know what? I don't think I've got anything more to add to that because I think you've covered all the points off there quite nicely. So congratulations to Aaron Rodgers and Brandon Marshall for being this week's award winners now we move on to our mr award and i will let you give your runner-up marcus my runner-up this uh this week we have mentioned him already on the show and i think it's because he did an amazing job and that goes to carl fuller cornerback for chicago bears Bears. Bears. shouldn't let you go first Warned you, warned you. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it, you're coming in, you're replacing a great cornerback, Charles Tillman. And the fact is, you then got a, like I said, he gets attacked straight away. They see that he's possibly the, the weak link in the chain. So that's where they go to it. And what does he do? He comes back, four tackles, two interceptions. He comes in and shows that he belongs on this Chicago team. And not only that, is that you can't just attack him because he's the rookie. Oh, no, it's not going to be that easy. He will fight and he will uh, he'll punish you. Well, I have to just do a slight correction there because I'm assuming when you were looking at that, that was four individual tackles, but he actually had seven total tackles um, as well as two pass deflections to go with his two interceptions, um, which is why he was my winner this week of the... <laughs> award so note to self i'm writing this down do not let marcus go first with awards right (laughs) (laughs) julie noted so i will then have to go with my uh, well my my runner-up um i've actually gone with the dallas defense as my runner-up this week mainly because with how badly that offence is playing, it's the defence that's keeping them in it. We saw it again this week. Um, Two sacks, two interceptions, getting pressure on the opposing quarterback. And I know they were only playing Tennessee, but at the end of the day, that defence kept Tennessee to, I think it was 10 points, wasn't it? when When you think about how much time they're going to have spent on the field as well. So that's why they got my runner-up this week. So we're just left now then with Marcus, your winner for the Mr. Award. Okay, well, I know producer Mark's going to love us because I know how much he feels it's a cop-out when we pick defences, entire team defences for awards. So he's going to love it that you've got a second place and I've got the first place that's going to go to the Washington defence. Woohoo! Yes, yes, cop-out city. <laughs> ten, 10 sacks, tying the record, an interception, keeping Jacksonville to 10 points and 148 total yards. I mean, there's just... It, uh, uh, it's He's just lost for unbe- words. 
Like, it was it was unbelievable, really, when you think about it. I mean, this isn't what I call a number one defence. I mean, we were looking at this really last week, looking at could Jaguars come back and cause an upset because, you know, the defence isn't strong enough. There were some positivities in Jaguars we saw in week one. But no, they seem to come in, they game planned for it, they just destroyed just decimated them for all all intents and purposes yeah absolutely and i think they're they're very worthy winners but as we uh, know that the producer is going to be very upset with the fact that we've both picked a team defense and copped out a lot there all i will say is congratulations to our winners both the washington defense and carl fuller uh, of the mr award Oh, y'all want the play? Okay, here we go. We've got gun, Hulk left slot. Dixie left, key left. Mercedes, wide chip, Ricky. Zebra left, 75, Katie. Omaha, quick going. So now we look ahead to the week three action and also give our... So Marcus, which game would you recommend first well for me what i'm looking at this week is minnesota at new orleans Ooh, interesting an interesting choice now the reason i picked this is because of course uh, minnesota performed really well against the rams in week one kind of got picked apart by new england last week and of course we're needing new orleans who have suffered two difficult losses so now we're really seeing can you know a lot of people were saying don't panic when they said um, new orleans were zero two can they come back in their own house can they then turn around and start the season afresh against a Minnesota team, which has got a very still very strong offensive core. And of course it's still got Castle, you know, struggling against last week to actually sort of produce anything out of his best. But again, when we saw him take on uh, the Rams, there was, they understood how they could get through and they found the gaps in that sort of that secondary. And I think that's where New Orleans are weakest in that secondary. So it could be Minnesota, game plan correctly could be an interesting matchup could we see another shootout with New Orleans well certainly New Orleans are going to play better because they are at home aren't they so we know they play incredibly well in the dome there uh, down in New Orleans and and Drew Brees no doubt will be having another one of his incredible games against that Minnesota defense which is is okay it's not it's not the best and they've got some good players but um, we'll have to wait and see I think I don't know. I might even be tempted to put that as my swing of the week, you know, just purely because I could see New Orleans destroying Minnesota myself. Um, but we'll have to come back and see if I I do go with that. It'll be a judgment call when we get there. So another game I'm looking out for next week in week three is going to be a repeat of the Super Bowl, and that is Denver at Seattle. Oh, yeah. So we'll have to wait and see. So we know what the noise was like at the actual Super Bowl itself. So if you magnify that a few times, it's going to be what the noise is going to be like in Seattle. And and it'll be interesting to see how Peyton Manning and that offense cope without being able to hear each other at all, because Seattle gets incredibly loud and coming off the back of that defeat this week against the San Diego Chargers, which to be fair, I don't think we actually mentioned on the show, did we? But um, I think, yeah, it's going to be a great game, that one to watch. Oh, absolutely. And yes, how did we not mention that? There's was, there was too many good games that we we, uh, we could have mentioned. I could have mentioned the entire week, week uh, game by game, but I think we would have been here way past midnight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a bit of a late one this week. So I think... Let's uh, yeah. Let's move on to another game that you're looking forward to this week, Marcus. Uh, one that I'm really looking forward to this week is actually it's, it's the uh, it's the Tampa Atlanta. That that's uh, again I've gone back to the uh, NFC South. It's almost like you're it's, parked there. Did you? <laughs> it's like remember where I go. Um, no, for me it was really. I mean, we're starting to see because Tampa and this Lovey Smith. I mean, you look at the first two weeks, the the defense has really kept tamper into the games i mean most of the time the the opponents really haven't scored past the sort of 21 point mark um at, and tamper they've just failed to sort of come back and put anything in injuries have played a part you know i know martin's out and they've got a few few people on um on defense who are missing however i still feel that there's a, a competent group you've got rainy who's replacing martin very nicely um atlanta haven't quite found apart from i mean they they won the shootout against New Orleans. However, they really seem to have their wings clipped uh, in Cincinnati. So therefore, I'd like to see how they, they rechange that game plan because their run game 
for me, seems to be a little bit too chop and change. They've got a lot of weapons that they like to use, uh, from Jackson to Chris Rogers to, um, to Smith to um, Freeman. And it just seems that everyone's always getting a touch of the ball, but it doesn't seem to really have anyone stand out and put a real game behind them to, to cement it with. Could this be that, you know, Atlanta try and air it out. I wouldn't on some of those corners. You've got Alteron Werner there. He's playing incredibly well, uh, along with Golston as well in the secondary. So I think Tampa isn't to be attacked by that. I think the way you're going to attack it is to is to try and establish a run game first and work and play action. That's where you're best to try and beat them. So for me, inside the dome, it's going to be a very big game and, of course, huge implications um, later down the line for that South Division. Absolutely. I think you've just reminded me there that this week in Fantasyland, I need to make sure that I start Deshaun Goldson without a doubt um, because he will get peppered by that Atlanta offense. There's no there's no question. Even then, he can always come into run support as well if they do go with your tactics as well. So another game looking forward to next week. Pittsburgh at Carolina. That should be a real gritty one on Sunday night. Um, two, what you would have to say, strong defences, not necessarily the best offences because Cam Newton doesn't really have that many weapons to throw to this year, does he? So be interesting to see how he copes against a Pittsburgh defence that's going to be um, reading that they, they lost to, to Baltimore so badly. And as I say, the, the young players they've got on that Pittsburgh defence, including linebacker Ryan Shazir, could see him having a, a good game, especially if Carolina try and run the ball and control the clock. And yes, I did say clock. <laughs> I think that's, that, that's where Carolina have to make it work. And like I said, I mean, they've got a few of I think Avant's been a great um, addition for them. I mean, sort of, um, he's not going to replace Smith. However, you have to look back, if you're Carolina, how, look and see how Baltimore defeated them. A lot of it was was using the, the dual threat of Pierce and Forsett. They've got that in, in their own sort of backfield where you've got the sort of the Tolbert as your big sort of heavy back and stuff. And you've got Cam coming out with the – I think Cam will have a great game because they're going to pressure him. So the fact is it's going to be a real test for that ankle of his because, of course, Cam, you saw him um, this week gone. He got hit running out of bounds. I don't so much think he sort of hurt it as much as he got shocked on it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So therefore, it's going to be a real test. I think Pittsburgh will send a lot of different blitz packages. They're a great blitz team. However, if Cam can be Cam-esque with that Carolina defense, if they can shut down uh, Le'Veon Bell, making Ben Roethlisberger very one-dimensional, it's advantage Carolina. However, as as we as we saw last week, we thought it was advantage Pittsburgh, but don't mean nothing. No, it doesn't. And. We will leave up the the game previews there and go to our... Now, Marcus, I'm going to go first, if I may, because letting you go first seems to backfire in my face these days. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm going to go with my swing, and that is going to be Houston at New York Giants. And I'm going for a 70-30 swing in favour of Houston because of how badly those New York Giants are playing and the turnover machines they have become. Whew. Yeah, it's there's not. I'm just not seeing anything productive, really. Um, Manning looks lacklustered. Offensive line looks underpowered. The running back situation. I like Jennings actually. Jennings seems to be a good mix for them. Um, however, does he get enough time in the ball? And does um, does the offensive line give him the chance? Defensively. I see nothing. So yeah, Houston. You know, Houston. They got the they got the slap around the face last year, didn't they? And yes, so they this did. year, you know, sometimes you know they'd reached the playoffs the last couple of years preceding that. Sometimes you need to have that slap in the face to to realize, whoa, right, this isn't right. Let's start again. Yeah, agreed. And when I say seventy thirty, I'm looking for at least fourteen points in favor of Houston. Um, Marcus, who is your for me? This is an uh, interesting one, and this this works on the assumption that injuries play out as they are, which I do think is how it's going to be. But my swing, Washington at Philadelphia. I'm going to put a very squeaky fifty-five forty-five in favour of Washington. 
Ooh, even though they're at Philadelphia. Even though they're at Philadelphia. Again, we've seen the last couple of years that weather at Philadelphia means basically best time to do is play them now, early on, September. Right, Washington came in. I mean, I think we've seen Philadelphia not really prepare themselves right for games. In the last couple of games, they've been sketchy and sort of fought their way back into it. I liked how Washington's deep progressed against Jacksonville. That's going to give them a boost. Everything's going to be boosted coming into this. I think the fact that you are going to start Cousins, because let's face it, that dislocated ankle isn't going to fix itself in a week, means that you are going to prepare with Cousins under center. Therefore, this, this pocket passing offense that Gruden's trying to instill here is going to be more in sync. I think Cousins will come out, establish himself, and this will be either one of two games where it will be the shootout-esque thing we had with New Orleans-Atlanta in week one, where maybe over time we're talking changing scores every every other, every other drive, or it's going to progress itself down to who's going to best use the blitz packages and sort of pressurise the quarterback. Because Washington don't have a great offensive line. Philadelphia don't have a great offensive line. Both defences like to attack. So um, it's going to be one of two ways, I think. But I definitely think we're talking, like I said, that overtime field goal maybe finish in favour of Washington. And so when you say Kirk Cousins is going to come out and establish himself, he's going to come out, establish himself and sneak a victory. Come out, <laughs> sneak, yeah, sneak a victory. But what I think is he will start to submit himself to the Washington faithful as numero uno. Wow. Okay, that's a bold statement. Kind of like, kind of like what Foles did the last, uh, uh, you know, few years back. Foles came in and and just took the job. And yeah, do you know what? That was the comparison I was thinking of when I was um, thinking about the the blog this week. I was thinking to myself that the same situation obviously when Vic got injured Foles came in and Foles went um was it 20 touchdowns and two interceptions or something between when he came in and the end of the season so yeah we'll have to wait and see and, and see what happens with Kirk Cousins Spamhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire we specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs whether it be field recordings fox pops or capturing the atmosphere during social events editing is a very time consuming job so Spamhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound and we will do the rest we can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too visit us now spamheadproductions.com Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. That will wrap it up for us for another week. Don't forget, you can check the show notes to see all of Marcus and the Mind Blowers. Uh, see the five <laughs> great plays that we have picked out for you this week, some of which we have mentioned in the show. Remember... Hey guys, if you want to get a hold of Audrey or Marcus, send them an email at ballhawksnest at gmail.com. Don't forget, we are also downloadable on Stitcher Radio, iTunes, and our most recent shows are rebroadcast on the 1800 online network, a link to which is on the side of the page. Marcus, it's been an absolute pleasure as always, sir, and thank you for doing this so late in the day. It's been awesome, and I'm wide awake, so it's fine. Excellent. Too much coffee for you then, sir. Good luck sleeping. But that will <laughs> we'll leave that there. Um, until next week, football fans, stay safe, take care, and thanks for stopping by. Yeah.